welcome back to Two Dykes, One Mike. I am Chloe. And I'm Kimmy. And this is episode 11 and we have an amazing guest on with us today. We have Ailey with us. Hi Ailey. Hello. Pleasure <laughs> <laughs> to be here. Um, but first of all, we will start with a joke. So Kimmy, it's your turn this week, so go for it. Okay, what does one saggy boob say to the other saggy boob? I don't know. If we don't get some support, people will think we are nuts. <laughs> So bad. <laughs> so bad. Um, but yeah, well done on your joke. <laughs> okay, so let's get stuck right into it. So tell us a bit about you, Ailey. Who who are you? What do you do? So I'm Ailey and I'm on I'm an online coach. I've been coaching now for a year, exactly maybe Instagram <gasps> anniversary, just I think about a week ago. Oh I my god, congrats. I don't know if that was a full week ago. Um so yeah, kind of started online coaching by accident, um, pretty much I've did like a million different careers over the years. I've been, well I did interior design, I studied interior design when I left school, I did hairdressing, I worked in finance, I studied business. Whilst I was working for the Red Cross I wasn't really enjoying what I was doing there, I wanted a job that was more creative, that allowed me more freedom, I really missed the hairdressing aspect of things when it came to actually being able to help people that was the one thing that I really liked about mm. hairdressing that feeling of like somebody having their hair done and walking away feeling absolutely confident, amazing yeah. and feeling really confident feeling really good in themselves and I was like I don't know what I want to do here so I was speaking to my boyfriend Christian about it because he's well he's your coach obviously Chloe yeah. and um, <laughs> like for years like I've always been into fitness like sport has always been a part of my life like at every point in my life and um, Christian was like to me why don't you go and do like your PT course and come on board the team and work with me inside PLU and I still do help a wee bit inside PLU so I kind of thought about that started doing that quit my job away we went to Spain and I'd started my Instagram and then the plan was when I came back from Spain that I was going to go and work in a gym but whilst we were away in Spain this time last year actually accidentally just picked up a couple of online clients it all just kind of fell into place and when we were on the way back from Spain Christian went Ailey do you actually want to go and work in a gym and work with me or do you want to just start your own business and I was like to be honest yeah that's kind of what I want to do but you know it's like it still seems a wee bit scary I was like I don't know I'm a wee bit fear yeah. at the same time as well so yeah it all just sort of happened by accident a wee bit but it's been a good accident it's been the best accident that's ever yeah, happened you so. want. what is it like having both coaches under the one roof mm-hmm. like what is it like like he's both running your own businesses but then also separating like work life to just use life good and bad sometimes because like me and Christian have got really good boundaries with the likes of like our phone and things but sometimes it can be hard to switch off and like even when we're out for dinner like we're kind of like talking about clients and things and even when you say you're having time off of work you're kind of like I wonder what that client's doing and how are they doing and that's mm-hmm. kind of what you tend to talk about but because we both love it as well it doesn't really feel so much like work but at the same time it can be hard as well then like if Christian's maybe working later at night time and I've intended to finish at a certain time or vice versa then you probably find yourself working on whereas maybe if you had a partner in a different career when they were finishing work you'd kind of be like right that's me done for the day so Mm -hmm. it can be hard on both ends but it's good. Yeah. Do you think Christian's had like a positive influence on you becoming a coach? Like, were you inspired by how well he's done? And do you think that's had a positive influence on you? Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. It was something actually that I wanted to do when I was younger. So when I was 17, 18 and I was doing interior design and I wasn't enjoying it, I'd wanted to go and study fitness and my mum was like, It's not really 
a career maybe you should go and do something else that like you've got a skill yeah. which is like typical like a lot of people see that in the fitness industry and you don't really realize the potential so this was all obviously before I met Christian so then I never ever pursued it went and done hairdressing and then um obviously a couple of years later met Christian and then I was kind of like I'd seen how well he'd done I'd like always like I was always into training and stuff before I met Christian but I was kind of like it's his thing like I don't really it was still something that was in the back of my mind but I was kind of like Oh, it's your thing. I don't really want to <laughs> step your uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> And then it was when he said to me, I was a bit like, oh, well, I've always thought about it, but I don't know. I just thought it was your thing. And he was like, like don't be so fucking ridiculous. But yeah, like he is very much inspiring. So you haven't watched him having grown his business, like the work that he's put in, the graph that he's put in, how he's went from like doing boot camps in Kilmarnock in the K Park to like nobody turning up to them, mm-hmm. to like having the business that he's got today, it's very much inspiring. But I think for me as well, sometimes that's hard because I compare myself to him and it's a lot about what people do in their fitness journeys yeah. as yeah. well, where I see where he's at with his business, how well he's doing and I'm like, I should be there, I should be further ahead when really, like I've joined the business, well, the business mentorship that you're in as well, Chloe, mm-hmm. um, that pretty coach and it's nice now being surrounded by people that are at a similar level to me yeah. as well but at the same time like it can still be hard because sometimes when I see Christian doing stuff and he's getting a videographer and he's doing this and that and he's getting so many clients and I'm like why am I not there yet and I'm stressing yeah. myself out but it's exactly the same with clients on mm-hmm. their fitness journeys when they're looking at people on Instagram looking at their friends and stuff and stressing themselves out and beating themselves up mm-hmm. and it's just been able to take a step back so it's got its positives but it's also got it's drawbacks as yeah. well. Yeah, you Kevin needs to well. I need bring to bring me in sometimes. Yeah. Chloe was so bad. You were so bad for comparing yourself to everyone else. And I was like, you need to understand where you've started, like what age you are, how far you've come. Like your business won't be built in a day. Like you won't build yeah. an empire in a day. Like it takes time and it takes patience. But, but I'm like, but why not? But you're always like, Chloe <laughs> was like, I want this done yesterday. And I'm like, look, you just have to bide your time. And yeah. like you're, you've got better as well. Cause obviously like you were at a point where you're like, oh, I'm not doing good enough. And, but then you start to see the progression and then it's just little things, little moments that happen. You're like, wait a minute, I'm actually doing yeah. really well here. But I think it's just negative on social media to compare yourself to like so many other coaches and things on Instagram yeah you don't know the context like, I think that's a big thing you don't really know the context behind things as well like no. you, you see people but it, they could be so many years down the line and then of course we're just in our wee infancy right now and really, I think aren't as we? well like it's important to remember that everything you see in social media isn't always your life as well yeah. and me and Christian learned this is a hard lesson when we were away in Bali because Christian was like right it's our last five nights I'll treat you to a really nice hotel where do you want to stay and I was like I've seen this amazing hotel I'm not going to say the name of it because I don't want to bash it but I was like I've seen this amazing hotel on Instagram it looks so good I was showing Christian all the videos the two of us were so excited to go it was like £250 a night which for back well it's expensive for here never mind but for, for Bali, Bali that is like yeah. you're expecting like luxury bougie and we got there and the two of us were just like this is a pure anti-climax <laughs> like and it was almost just like what we'd seen on Instagram we built our expectations up and we got there and there just wasn't that feeling it wasn't bad but it just wasn't any better than like the 40 pound Airbnbs that we paid for mm-hmm. yeah, before. before in fact like some of the, the one that we'd been in was actually much better and it was like I was speaking to my clients but this just last night was it last night or the night before I was saying to them like not everything that you see on social media as well as as it's perceived that's only the highlight you mm-hmm. you've only seen the good bits and I think that's important to yeah. remember yeah no as definitely well. so what is um so you're now a coach but what has your relationship been like with food and exercise would you say 
Very, very good. <laughs> Over the years, take us right years. back and hit us with it. Okay, well, so back well, when I was younger, I basically did fucking anything and everything that I could get in about. Like, I swam, I did Highland dancing. I'm glad we're talking about sports there, by the way. But I'm glad we're talking about sports, sports there. That. Anything you can get in yeah. about. <laughs> no, <but> sports. sorry, question. <laughs> So, I uh, swam, I did Highland dancing, I played hockey for North Ayrshire, I played hockey for the school, I was on every school team, I was in the basketball team, the football team, the cheerleading team, the badminton team, the cross country team. Did you not like, like one time like cheerlead for the basketball team and yeah. then go and play <laughs> basketball after it? Yeah, like <laughs> so, I was just, and I was like one of these people that see once that commit to something, like you know how people have got commitment issues, I think I've got like uncommitment issues, yep. actually get kicked out of brownies for being too old because I couldn't go to guides, I couldn't progress to guides because it was the same time as my swimming and a Wednesday and on a Wednesday I already went to dancing, well I went to hockey, came out of hockey, went to dancing, came out of dancing then went to swimming club and swam a mile so there was no way that I could fit guides in on a Wednesday night yeah. so they let me stay for an extra Thanks year so and eventually <laughs> they were like right Ailey, like you need to leave, like you're well too old for this and part of me was like I know, but like, there's just something inside me that can't, yeah, yeah just give can't this up without, but when they told me I had to leave, I was like, right, okay, fair enough, maybe I've overstayed my welcome, but I've <laughs> always enjoyed, like, fitness, I've always enjoyed sport, when I got to about 16, I joined a gym, um, which was kind of like a, like, mobility, kind of, it was a really good, um, it's actually, I don't think it's there anymore. I don't even know how you'd explain it. It was like classes, but it was more kind of like a mixture of like functional stuff. It wasn't like your typical gym, especially for the time, because bearing in mind this was like 11 years ago. So get into that a wee bit, then stop going, kind of fell out of the flow with that. Um, started putting on a wee bit of weight. My mum was like, mm, I think you need to maybe think about getting back into some sort of exercise. At this point, I didn't have a fucking clue about nutrition. Like I was eating a bagel with peanut butter and banana and being like, I'm doing so well peak, here, like, yeah, yeah, I was like, I'm so healthy, like, I'd come in from a class at the gym, and that's what I'd eat, and I'd be like, I am fucking smashing it, that was about as much as I knew about nutrition, was that bananas were good for you, and that peanut butter somehow yeah. associated with health, so, um, that was, yeah, so, kind of fell away from that, mum was like, Haley, you're putting on a wee bit of weight, like, maybe you need to think about getting back into some form of exercise, so, joined another gym, um, went there for a while, kind of, they gave me, like, a meal plan and things, and at the time, looking back now, like, it maybe wasn't the best thing for me, I got quite obsessive with it, um, basically, like, the meal plan was quite plain, it was, like, oats for breakfast with a banana and a protein shake, it was, like, chicken and a pita bread for lunch, I can still remember it, it was that plain, <laughs> it was, like, chicken and another pita bread again in the afternoon, um, it was, I think, steak or like some sort of lean red meat um, and rice again for dinner with green veg and then I think on rest days I could have some strawberries as well. Whoa! So, I wish I was born there! And it was the same day in, day out, yeah. which like was, was fine so if I colourful. had been in a place where I had had a good understanding of nutrition and stuff but me getting into somebody that was just totally clueless about nutrition and I started losing weight on this diet in my head I was just like this is what I need to eat yeah, to stay in shape working, I couldn't yeah. see mm -hmm. any other way possible so anytime that I came off like that meal plan 
I started putting back on weight, but what I didn't realise was it was because, like, part of me, it was binging because what I'd been eating was so restrictive mm-hmm. that when I did get my hands on anything like chocolate, like crisps, whatever it was, I just went absolutely fucking mental. But the other part of it was that I just didn't have a clue about calories, so I didn't actually know how to manage my nutrition. So that was kind of the start of me having a really bad relationship with food. And that was nobody's fault but mine for putting myself in that position as well. Like, I'm not saying they gave me this meal plan and that was anybody's fault. But at that point, I was quite vulnerable and I was quite, I got quite addicted to that kind of feeling of losing weight. Like, when um, I then went on to lose my job as a hairdresser, um, so basically I worked for a salon, went to work in another salon, the girl couldn't afford to keep me on at that point, again, just being quite vulnerable, um, I kind of took that as a knock to my confidence, and looking back now as the person that I am now, I would have been like, well, right, that's fine, you can't afford to keep me on, I'll go and get a job somewhere else, I'll mm-hmm. go and be self-employed, but at the time I kind of was a bit like in my head, I must not be good enough, started being really hard on myself, um, so again then the thing clinging to food became probably more obsessive again at that point because it was something that I could control, it was something that made me feel good when I started seeing myself losing weight. So like there's been lots of different points on my journey, it's not like one point that made my relationship with food <coughs> bad as such I'd say, but over the years between that point of actually like being on that initial diet plan and then that point where I lost my job, I'd also started to learn a bit more just through educating myself about calories, about tracking your calories, about protein, just through stuff that I maybe read online, things like that. So I was starting to now have an idea of how actually I could eat a bit more of what I wanted. I didn't necessarily have to stick to this diet plan mm-hmm. and I could still lose weight. So that then opened my eyes up to like a whole new world of weight loss but not in a healthy way because I had in my head that I had to be eating like 1,200 calories for me to lose weight which we all know is not sustainable it's like for a baby like not for any full-grown female or human at all so that was then my new thing was that I tracked my calories I could kind of eat what I wanted as long as I hit my protein and I was within my 1,200 which most of the time I was maybe Monday to Thursday or Friday um, and then there would be like binging episodes there would be points where like I'd be driving home so after obviously losing my job I got a job in an office which was in Paisley and then there'd be points actually where I'd drive home from work and I'd stop at every shop every garage on the way home I'd eat sandwiches I'd eat sheer bags of crisps packets of chocolate but then I would go days where mm-hmm. I would stick to my 1200 calories if I'd had a really bad binge it'd be like 800 calories I'd be in like nothing so like I was starving it was just a horrible vicious cycle and I didn't know how to really break it and get out of it and I went through points where like I got a PT things got a little bit better um because obviously I had that accountability of having a PT there and he was like you need to be eating more for Mm -hmm. your energy but at that point then it kind of went that I was pretty much maybe eating like what he was telling me to eat like three days a week and kind of kidding myself on that I was doing it Mm -hmm. every day of the week and then the rest of the week I was still massively under eating. So like those days where I was eating where he was telling me to eat were kind of just, I was still in a deficit across the week. I wasn't in yeah. a healthy place and I was going in and out of these cycles of like binging, overeating, 
under eating, my energy was shit, I was always tired but I'd never miss a session in the gym, like I would go and do, I was actually a shit client, I was speaking to my clients about this the other night about like actually like effective communication and being honest with yourself because on your journey if you're not being honest with yourself the only person that you're lying to is you and I used to look Mm -hmm. at Scott's clients and I'd get annoyed because I would be like I'm doing exactly what he's telling me and all these girls are getting massive arses and tiny waists and I just feel like I'm not making any progress but I was only maybe being honest with myself like three days in the week and I was going to like Christian's boot camp outside of doing the workouts that like he had programmed for me I was going to classes he'd catch me in the gym in classes or in the stairmaster and be like what are you doing but in my head I was just like what he's giving me is not enough and that food's too much but I would still be kidding myself on I was in denial I totally believed that I was doing everything that I had to be doing and I couldn't understand why I just wasn't seeing the results so that's a wee lesson for anybody as well that mm-hmm. like if your coach is telling you to do something do um, it and if you're not doing it, it be honest with them <laughs> yeah. because otherwise what are you paying them for and there's going to be times where you slip up and you make a mistake yeah and if you can go and tell your coach that then amazing because you just mm-hmm. can work through it together but obviously I wasn't doing that so anyway stop working with him Um, things probably then at that point got worse again Um, really at that point I was really really struggling with binging Um, see like, when you were like binging was it like secretly so see when you were saying you were driving home and stuff so was it like a secret kind of thing like nobody else kind of knew that you were doing that yeah nobody yeah. else knew so well my friends would all be like as well like you're so tiny and you can eat so much so I thrived off that as well but what they didn't know is that when I was with them I hadn't been eating for like maybe days at a time or when I had yeah. I hadn't ate a lot mm-hmm. so I'd actually fucked so much with my hunger hormones in my body that I didn't have that feeling of being full and being satisfied and it was something that I thought I was never going to have like I thought that like that was just how it was and mm-hmm. that I would never be like that and I'd see my friends eating like a meal and they'd be able to leave some and I'd be like that's mental like how are they able to do that because <laughs> yeah. I was just always hungry like mm-hmm. until the point that I'd ate to like I felt like I was going to be sick there was yeah. literally no in between mm-hmm. with that so like they would see me and we would go out maybe for dinner and I would eat like three courses, like on the way home we'd stop for chocolate and stuff and they'd be like, how can you be so tiny? Like even Christian, because I was with Christian, like for like some point on this as well when I was struggling with this and he never ever knew because I was so good at lying about it, right? And anybody that knows me knows that I'm a fucking shit liar. I'm so <laughs> bad at lying. I'm sorry, I swear all the time as well. He's the so thing. Well, Cass called two dates one week. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So like, I am the worst liar in the world like I'm so honest but see when well obviously like what happened he was it basically developed into an eating disorder which for years I was in denial about but like when you have something like an eating disorder it's a very secretive like mm-hmm. illness so like it was making me then lie I became so good at lying that even like me like when I was living with Christian and stuff I could convince him even though he was like deep down in my head I knew something wasn't right it was like you would convince me I was so good at telling stories about that I'd ate elsewhere or yeah. like that I'd been at my mum's for dinner when I hadn't or that I'd been at whoever's or that I'd eaten work or whatever it was like I was so convicted and I was so good and I'd probably like convinced myself so much as well that yeah. like nobody else really knew a lot of it really was in secret and I would smash things like full packets of bagels granola bowls of porridge <laughs> with like peanut butter banana That's like crazy. all in the one sitting like five bagels bowls of porridge and it wasn't until I was actually like, I am going to be sick. Like, I remember stopping at KFC, like, on the way to the McDonald's drive through like, 
and actually having like a KFC via McDonald's, like yeah. that's how bad it's crazy. it was. But then there'd be other times where like I would be in work and people would be like, like, you're so good, like, you know, that typical pattern that you get in the yeah. office. You're good. so good, you're yeah. so healthy, like, you're so controlled. So in my head as well, I was like, I still have to be this wee tiny person mm-hmm. because all these people are seeing me as this really controlled. So I was like, I'm really good at this. And I kind of thrived off it as well because I was like, I'm so good at controlling my body weight that I can eat all this food, even though it was actually a really horrible experience for me. What, yeah. what did, like, see how you're saying, like, all these people probably had this perception of you of being, like, tiny in control of your eating, of your body, of who you are. Like, what did you see when you looked in the mirror? Like, did you, did you see yourself as having small petite figure or in your head where you're like I need to eat less because you weren't happy with how you looked like what how did you view Ailey in the mirror at that point in your life like did you look the person looking back like how was that for you I was I seen myself as small like I never ever there was points where like if I put on a bit of weight Mm -hmm. and I'd had like some really bad binges but like when I say I put on a bit of weight like I was probably getting to like the size that I am now like I wasn't exactly like fat or anything uh-huh. yeah. that I could see that I was bigger and I'd be like oh right maybe I need to wind my neck in a wee bit but I seen myself as small and my goal was always to get bigger it was never to, to be, be smaller. smaller but it was almost like I had an addiction by this point and I was caught in this cycle that I didn't know how to get out of because I was so scared that if I did eat more that I was maybe going to get fat or that if I did eat more because I had this binging habit I was like if I start eating more is it just always going to be the binge all yeah. the time and I'm just going to be totally uncontrollable all the time so like so basically like fast forward to because I keep going to like skip bits of the story because I'm like oh no I want to tell you this next bit now <laughs> so basically fast forward to like later on basically I ended up really really ill so um I pretty much tried to fix my binging with just being so strict with like how much I control my calories so I was eating 1200 calories every day for like months on end and I was doing like 16,000 steps a day I was training five six times a week so like at this point and this is the bit that people get shocked at eventually I went into hospital I was diagnosed with anorexia I was 32 kilograms when I went into hospital until the day that I went into hospital I was still eating 1,200 calories so when people come to me and they're saying to me Ailey I'm not losing weight and I'm eating 1,200 calories I know that they're not because I committed to eating 1,200 calories and it is so, so dangerous and it's the reason why a lot of people don't get to that point is because it's so bloody hard to stick to and your body is going to want you to cave mm-hmm. and want you to give in mm-hmm. because it's wanting you to eat because obviously you need food keep for energy alive, yeah. to keep you alive. So like at that point when I was eating 1,200 calories, I had just got so good at actually controlling my mind that this was what I had to do and there was no other way out because... I was so dedicated that I didn't want to go back to binging because I hated that so much. But because I hadn't actually spoke about it to anybody, to Christian, my mum, my dad, Christian's mum, like any of my friends, I was so caught up in my own head that all I could see was that that was the only way out. And it wasn't actually till like one day I just broke down, Christian, like, and I said to Christian, well, obviously he could see that I wasn't well, but I was like, I don't know what to do about this. I'm stuck. I can see in the mirror that, like, I don't look good, like, I know that my energy's shit, I go to bed every night saying that this is going to stop and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and eat more food, but it's like, every day's Groundhog Day and I wake up Mm -hmm. and the next day's exactly the fucking same as the day that it was 
before and um, from the time of like me actually like admitting that to Christian to me getting into hospital I probably then again lost another significant amount of weight because although like I had the support of him and stuff there it was very hard still for me to see how there could be any other way out so mm. for me actually being hospitalised was the best thing that ever happened to me because if I wasn't and if I never ever got that ill I don't think that I would have ever I've got to Go the point now where I'm actually so free with food and I might have always been stuck yeah. in that binging cycle. What was the point? So obviously you had that conversation with Christian and then you said obviously there's a period of time where you lost even more weight before it was that kind of like pivotal point of being hospitalised. Like when when did that happen and how did that happen? Was it you that eventually said right i need to go, to, I need to go or did something happen to you in terms of like your energy levels were just sucked that low that you ended up being hospitalized like how what happened like tell us about that so once i told christian i phoned so christian was going to pay for um, me to get like kind of help but i'd phoned like the nhs as well and um actually like the eating disorder unit in Ayrshire like we are so lucky for like the services that we have here mm-hmm. in the community so i went to see the doctor um here and when she seen me she was like oh my god like we've never seen anybody that ill like and she pretty much just said to me like you need to go to hospital but like before that I'd had like phone calls and support with people but it wasn't actually there was obviously a couple of weeks between me actually like phoning them at first and me actually then seeing the doctor and then from me seeing the doctor it was very quick from me seeing the doctor literally the next day I was in hospital they wanted me to go into hospital that night and I was like can I at least get a night with my family before actually like he's taken me into hospital so when I went into hospital I was supposed to be going into a psychiatric ward um, and they basically said to me like the night before I went in like don't change anything that you're eating because basically now you're at risk of what we call refeeding syndrome so because and this can happen to anybody that's been under eating for three days it's not just somebody that's seriously underweight and ill if you've not ate enough for three days it can actually happen to you but they were saying if I start eating again and not actually like and actually more sorry what happens is my body's going to go into shock and it could actually cause me to have a heart attack so when I went into hospital they checked um, my heart rate my blood pressure and things and when they checked that my heart rate was actually that low that they were like we can't actually start refeeding you it's so dangerous your body's already started shutting itself down so they sent me an ambulance to ICU I ended up in ICU for three or four days I think um, on a heart rate monitor on a drip they were taking biopsy from my liver they kept saying to me have you been taking like ecstasy have you been taking um, antidepressants they were like you've got chemical damage in your liver and I was like I've honestly not taken anything and um, they were like are you sure like your liver they couldn't understand why my liver was like so goosed eventually after my biopsy it came back and they were like you were just so depleted and nutrients like my mm-hmm. kidneys were so dehydrated my heart was failing and the doctor was in and he was poking and he was prodding me and he was going is that so is that so and I was like no like I'm fine I was like I know that I'm underweight I, I know that my energy's shit but apart from that like I physically feel fine yeah. and they were a bit amazed as well because they were like what do you mean like you feel fine but I think I had just been so used to feeling shit for so long that I've normalised that, mm-hmm. yeah. that feeling so I didn't know any difference so I spent 
three or four days in there before I get transferred back to the psychiatric hospital in Irvine. And in Ayrshire, we don't actually have a specific eating disorder hospital, which at the time I was a bit gutted about. So I was like, I really want to like have that kind of extra support from like mm-hmm. the nurses. But I had nurses from the community coming in to support me. But see, looking back now, I'm so thankful because see that ward that I went into, there was nobody else in there with an eating disorder. So I didn't have anybody else to talk to about, to kind of get mm-hmm. other ideas about. Yeah. But also there was a lot of people with like severe mental health, severe bipolar, severe personality disorders like and it was quite a scary environment to be Mm -hmm. in and part of me although I didn't maybe want to eat and get better I was like I sure as hell don't want to be in here so I was actually eating just to get myself back out of hospital and then once I get out of hospital I still didn't really want to eat I didn't want to get better but I was like do I fuck want to go back to that place as well so I was eating for that reason and then it wasn't until I actually when I came out of hospital and I was eventually allowed to exercise again, so obviously, like, for a long period of time, like, when I first went into hospital, I was getting pushed about in a wheelchair, like, I wasn't allowed to even let my body get below a certain temperature because my body weight was so low that that could cause me to burn more energy um, and calories, so, like, I really wasn't allowed to do a lot, and then they eased me back in with being allowed to do walks, and when I eventually got back to going to the gym, that was actually the bit that made me really start to get better because that's when I realised that like I was always an operator in the gym anyway when I was underfueled. So when I started to get into the gym and I was eating properly, I was like, oh my God, like I'm strong <laughs> as fuck. Like this is so good. I'm so good at this. Like this look at me go. That I was missing all this time was food. And I was like, and it's actually good because you get to eat and you feel good. And then through that, my body started to look the way that I'd always wanted it to look. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't actually focusing on my body anymore. I was focusing on performance and actually like chasing big numbers in the gym and then my whole outlook with that changed and then through a lot of time and a lot of work on like my relationship with myself, my relationship with food, my relationship with like my nurses um, and things like I've just eventually got to where I am now. So yeah, that was kind of my story. Yeah. <laughs> Quite right Amazing. <laughs> I know. Amazing. I can't believe you were 32 kilograms like before going in the hospital like that seems so little like that's like what you would like shoulder press or something like do you know what I mean like with two dumbbells it's crazy bench press that to warm up (laughs) (laughs) just mention it like to warm up (laughs) but the mad bit is like right before I went into hospital I was still like trying to deadlift like 40 kilograms and stuff like it's mental like I was just so possessed that like that I was fine like not that I was Mm -hmm. fine I knew I wasn't fine but I don't know, and I think that's why now, like, when I've did, like, running and things, and everyone's like, how are you so, like, like, obviously I only started running in August, mm-hmm. and I went and I ran that half marathon, was my 20th run, and I did it in an hour and 35 minutes, <laughs> and everyone was like, how did you do that? But I think through me being not well, I've built up this crazy mental resilience where I'm like, nothing actually, I uh-huh, had like, like nothing's that painful because I've suffered through all of that so like I'm like it's an hour and a half like yeah you were suffering for like a long period of time like yeah. before you even so got better so definitely like. built me into the person that I'm now like I'm thankful that it happened I don't think regret anything no yeah. in your life like I mean I would have rather have not been in ICU I'm not glad yeah. for that but I'm glad for all the lessons that it's taught me mm-hmm. and how much I've learned about myself and how it's built me as a person it's probably helped you as well like massively now that you've became a coach because you're talking about 
obviously you'd committed to 1200 calories a day so you now know what poker bullshit in you because you're like right you're talking shit because you definitely haven't been eating that you're going to feel shitter than you feel exactly right now but i think that. that's such like you obviously had that obsession but i think it's important that you can then tell your story and share your story to your clients because i think as women like we tend to see it as oh my god i'm putting on a wee bit of weight so i need to cut my calories right back and we don't have any thought process behind it other than i want to get in shape for something or i want to look better or i want to look skinnier or i want to look thinner but as you say like 1200 calories is not sustainable for anybody like and i i say that all the time and i know that there's certain aspects of fitness like people that do um, bodybuilding and things like that that really cut their calories right back but I'm just like I know personally myself I'm like I couldn't survive on well I've done calories. like 1300 calories with my last coach for and like you were the six most weeks or something and I was like so crabby, tired, emotional probably really shit to live with like, <laughs> no you were like, and I said that just, I was like you need to get no, off this like this is yeah, ridiculous now. just wasn't good like I probably was like my leanest but I wasn't like I didn't feel healthy I didn't feel like happy and that was only yet. for a and it's not it's not life lo- like that it, the thing is that you can do it for a period of time and if you're doing it for a competition or you're doing it for a reason then fine but th- that's not like sustainable in life do you know what i mean like that we all like the, to eat out and enjoy ourselves yeah, and have right. a lifestyle like that's definitely. just not feasible at all that was like the thing as well though like when people were saying to you like oh you're so healthy mm-hmm. and you're so that like you're so good and stuff and then probably in your head you're like I'm really, really not, not. but yeah. that's what people's and that's perception is. Like, mm-hmm. thing because looking on the outside, people that weren't with me all the time, even the people that were with me all the time, mm-hmm. didn't know any better. It yeah. was just they were just seeing what was on the outside. They weren't seeing what was going on in my head, how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hundred and ten percent. Do you think like um like your childhood or like viewing other people's relationships or something like growing up influenced like that experience that you had? I think a lot of different things did. I don't think you could just pinpoint it to one one certain Mm -hmm. thing. Like, obviously, I think everyone's relationship with food's influenced from childhood, from experiences. And I think, like, a lot of things over the the years probably impacted. Like, for me being young, um, I lost my sister very young to cancer. I was five, Maddie was four. Um, I then lost my cousin not very long after that, um, again from cancer, so there was a lot of loss, my papa died around at the same time, like quite early on, um, like for me, like death was quite normal when I was younger, I remember writing in my school book, like I went to, a, I've still got the news book, I went to a funeral at the weekend, it was fun because for me, like it had just been so normalised at that age that I was just like, right, so we're going to the after party and my mum was like, not really <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not a party a party yeah. but obviously there was a lot of like difficult stuff happened as I got older my brother disappeared for like five years um we didn't see him um eventually we found him on my 15th birthday on Facebook my dad drove all the way down to Sunderland in England to a page that he liked to a pub that he liked on Facebook went to the pub went on my trail found my brother so like that even like was a big part because me and my brother were very close Um, I had that kind of loss for five years in my life and I think like for a lot of my life as well I maybe had that kind of feeling of that I maybe wasn't good enough and kind of wondering why did that happen to Mary and not me why did Paul disappear so there was that kind of aspect from childhood but also I just think that I was never really that confident a person I never really had 
a lot of belief in myself and when I first started actually losing weight and dieting I started making more friends in the gym and stuff so it was a bit like people like me because mm-hmm. I'm smaller so there was that mm-hmm. kind of side of things as well um, a lot of different things I think then losing my job and that being a knock to my confidence and then remembering back to actually well people liked me better when I maybe was that wee bit smaller mm-hmm. and then again mm-hmm. so like I don't think I could say that there was one specific thing to pinpoint on what caused it. I think that it's your personality, you're maybe a lot more likely to pick it up and a lot of different mm-hmm. experiences in my life, 110% impact it. I couldn't just say there was one set thing. Do yeah. you think the moment you were talking about, you said right at the very start about your mum saying to you that you should go to the gym because you were putting a wee bit of weight on, did you obviously, and I know everybody looks up to their mum and thinks like, oh, whatever their mum says is gospel, so you you done it. Like, at that point where your mum thought you were maybe putting weight on, like, how small or big were you? Like, what what size Probably are we talking? Probably like a like? size 10. Right. Yeah, so like, absolutely, like I get what you're saying, yeah, like 100% in my head, yeah, there was that kind of thought as well. And I know, like, my mum would have meant that out of the best of intentions mm-hmm. because my mum's a nurse, she's obviously caring about my health like she's more meaning it from that but always always as a young person yeah like it's kind of easy to get caught up in those kind of thoughts Mm -hmm. as well so yeah absolutely I think like um our like parents as well live in a generation of like diet clubs and like that kind of like Mm -hmm. culture and stuff and it's very much like not even like you need to be a certain size but like a diet's like a certain type of food that you need to eat or like you need to be really restrictive or like certain things like that and I think probably I know when we spoke about this on a previous episode, like, mm-hmm. we've been influenced massively, like, our relationships with food and stuff, just based off of seeing our parents, like, go through that kind of thing. Right. It was almost um, like a cult, like, I feel like for my mum, like, it was like a, was a diet and was a cult, <laughs> it wasn't even just, like, we spoke about that in that episode, like, my mum yeah. would do Slim Fast, she would do Weight Watchers, she would do Slimming World, she would try any juice drinks or whatever, like, she would try anything. And I probably grew up looking at her thinking, like, oh, well, she's made a conscious effort to always stay in shape as well. And then when I got to a certain age, again, it's just that, like, you believe what your mum says is, like, so important. Like, she's God Almighty to you. Like, you're like, oh, well, I need to do what my mum did. And then you start doing that kind of thing. But then you learn from that. Because I'm like, Jesus, what am I doing? Like, I think I did Herbalife once and I was like, what is wrong with me? Yeah, I was really lucky that my mum never actually did anything like that. I think my mum being a nurse, like... She never, but, like, had seen, like, friends that had mums that did it and, just... like, friends that were thinking that, like, eating, like, one bit of a Kit Kat was normal and stuff, like, <laughs> or that, like, you couldn't eat certain things and yeah, even, like, watching back Kit-Kat when I worked in the come. office, I used to just be, like, how can these people, like, they were going to, like, was it Slimming World or whatever it is and they had their way in on a Thursday, so they would starve themselves all day on a Thursday, yeah. and then come into the office on a Friday and have Fat Friday. Yeah. And like, obviously this was me, somebody that had an eating disorder, that the binging problem was still thinking, that makes no sense, what mm-hmm. you're doing. Yeah. Like, it was mental. It's yeah. crazy, but yeah, definitely experiences, like when my, when I was younger, my dad, anytime, and my dad still does, like he'll laugh about it, like hearing me saying this, but like, when he goes on a diet, he cuts out bread, and he loses weight. But when I was younger, <laughs> I thought it was the bread that was the bad thing. Yeah. Because I didn't have an understanding 
of calories but what I didn't realise was that my dad was just eating so much bread like it wasn't like his meals like he was having like his dinner at night and having like three bits of bread and butter <laughs> along with his dinner like a rolling pie for his lunch so like straight away if he cuts out the roll from his pie at lunch time he cuts out those four bits and three or four bits of bread like it's yeah without actually like changing much about uh, his diet because he was still eating the same he was just taking away all that extra stuff that he was eating but for me in my head for ages I was like right so bread must be the devil like I can't eat bread but actually like, I love bread like oh, I don't know why sandwiches get demonised so much like, yeah. <laughs> same with so cheese good. as well like because my mum is like such a cheese fiend like she just loves cheese but she was the same like she would have to have like whether it was a sandwich at lunch, it would have cheese, or whether it was something at dinner, it would have cheese grated over the top, or she would just have cheese with everything. She'd be like, right, I'm cutting out the cheese, a plat, all right, that's great. So again, when I did it, I was like, oh, I'm going to cut out cheese. Um, and then, do you know, you just start to think to yourself, like, what am I doing? Like, my friends would be having, like, cheese boards, and I'd be like, can I touch that? I'm off the cheese. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? It's like, come on. Like, it's like a bit of cheese. It's like, not going to kill me. Not going to glutton. I know. I'm like, oh, what is going it's on? It's like a wee bit off topic, but my auntie always says that, um, like, so she drinks like Bacardi and like full fat coke, but yeah. then like sometimes I love that part. I don't know that. Like, your mum and dad part of full fat, fat, fat coke. Like, oh, yeah, oh, that's what she says. And then, like, uh, sometimes if there's not, like, that as an option, like, she'll have Diet Coke and she'll always say, like, it's the Diet Coke that gets her drunk and, like, really rough. And I'm like, so it oh wasn't the Bacardi that was in it. Like, <laughs> it was just the Diet Coke right. that got you drunk. Like, oh. It just made me, that's funny. Um, but, yeah, the full-fat Coke, I, that's the thing as well. I know, yeah. my mum used full to, like, demonise that as well. Look, see, to be honest, I've never drank full sugar drinks. Like, I've always, I've probably addicted to Diet Coke. Because that's all my mum and dad used to drink when we were younger. It'd be Diet Coke or Dilutin Juice and that was it. That was always in the house. But if you dare come in with like full fat coke, she would shame you at the door. She'd be like, shame. full fat coke? Like, none <laughs> yeah. of that in here. Like, Drabby is like, no, full fat coke. So, um, so yeah, so how did like that experience and going through like your kind of binging episodes and, uh, and battling anorexia and stuff, like how did that affect like their relationships like around about you? Like... With Christian, with your family, even your friends oh, it was and stuff. Horrible. Like I've probably lost a lot of friends over the years because I didn't want to go out. And not even that I didn't want to go out, I did want to go out, but I was like, I can't go out because anytime they're going out, it's social things where there's food involved. Like mm-hmm. I, I've only got so many days in the week that I can eat meals out. Like I'd maybe be like, right, I can have a meal out on a Saturday mm. or a Sunday. But, like, if it's a midweek meal that they're going out for on a Wednesday night or something, like, that's a no-go, can't do that, going to anybody's house for dinner, like, any sort of socialising that wasn't drinking and getting, like, yeah. proper mad work where you were going in a night, like, a day out, like, well, I say, it's probably, like, a three-day out and, like, you weren't really eating it and you were just drinking all weekend. Apart from that, like, I really wasn't interested because I was, like, I just can't do that food side of things, so I just had to shut myself off. From it, but also I was a grumpy bitch, like I was horrible to be around, like me and Christian's relationship was terrible at that point for it, like we had a really rocky time and I'm really lucky that Christian did stick by me and support me mm-hmm. through everything, like probably my relationship with like my mum and dad, um, definitely massively affected that, even like at one point like Christian's mum like said to me later on, she was like, I always really thought you were really nice, but anytime anything was with food, I used to think you were a wee bitch. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, she would do something nice, like, make me my lunch for work, and I would get raging about it, mm. when actually she did something 
nice for yeah. me. And now she's even willing to put work in the fucking buzzing. Like, <laughs> I love that. Like, I love when she comes around with soup to her house. Or, like, when we came back from mm-hmm. Bali the other day, and Jeanette's like, I've made these mince and tatties. As weird as in the past, I would have been raging because I would have been like, mm-hmm. that's out with my control. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't eat that. Why yeah. have you done that? Yeah. Like, I just couldn't understand why she would do it. And I was like, in my head, I'd be like, they're trying to sabotage me anytime anybody <laughs> bought me any gifts or anything. She's like, like, it's just mince and tatties. Yeah, like, just be nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, buying me a cake and I'd come up with some quick, snappy excuse as to, like, why I couldn't have it rather mm-hmm. than just going, like, like, now she bought me a cake and I wasn't actually hungry. I'd go, like, thanks, that's really nice. Like, I'll put it in the bread bin and I'll have it later. Mm-hmm. As weird as I would just be like, why have you bought me that? Like, raging about it. <laughs> Almost, like, kind of getting super defensive over, like, who you are and, uh, like, who you were at that moment yeah. in time. Like, it how dare you try and feed me? Or... Like, I wouldn't snap, but I would eat the thing, but I wouldn't want to eat the thing. Mm-hmm. So you'd force it upon so yourself. So I had because I would feel like I had to be polite and I would eat it, but then that would either spiral me into a binge because I'd be like, well, I've fucked it now, or I'd be raging at myself and I'd be feeling guilt. And this is something I speak to my clients a lot about with the relationship with food because quite often when we speak about guilt with food, a lot of it comes from people just associating foods as good and bad and we think mm-hmm. that when we eat something that's bad they feel guilty but it's not always that way sometimes when we have something that we don't actually want, maybe like if your partner wants a takeaway and you don't want the takeaway but you just go along with it and you have it, then afterwards you feel guilty and you're beating yourself up for it it's not maybe actually the takeaway that's the thing yeah. you're feeling guilty about, it's the fact that you went against your own values mm-hmm. whereas if you just said to your partner that's fine, you have a takeaway, I'm going to make something for myself, he would have been fine about it, and at the same time, if your partner had said, we're going to have a takeaway, and you'd went, I actually, I could quite go a takeaway, you wouldn't have felt guilty, because yeah. it was mm-hmm. your decision, but mm-hmm. when you went against your own values in the moment, quite often that's why you feel guilty, and that can really impact your relationship with food as well, so mm-hmm. I think it's really important, like, not just with food, but with anything, at any point in your life, to stand up to what you want and not just to do mm-hmm. what other people want and I think that's something that all females are really really bad for especially like just going along with or what their partner wants people. or their kids mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just trying to please other people rather than actually pleasing ourselves and I think that's what I did for a long time like not even just with food but with like my life in general like yeah. obviously I had loads of different jobs and I was always thinking well what will other people think of this career that I do and I should go to uni and I didn't want any of that I didn't mm-hmm. like studying at uni like I liked working with people like I liked doing creative things but for so long I was worrying about what other people would think and I think a lot of that probably impacted my relationship with food as well because again mm-hmm. that went back to something that I could control because I wasn't controlling other parts of my life that actually I really did want to control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now would you say you've got a good relationship with food? Yeah, yeah. amazing. Like me and Tisha are just back from a month in Bali <laughs> and I eat out every day for every meal apart from I think about five where we had granola because we just literally didn't have time. But yeah. I would have never thought that I would have been able to do that and whilst I was there I was on a mission to prove to all my clients that you can eat out and be in shape. Like my body didn't really change whilst we were away. Mm-hmm. But I was able to do that because of the relationship that I have with food now and if mm-hmm. I didn't have that good relationship with food I would have never been able to eat out every day for every meal I would have came back like Bessie Bunt or like I would have been the size of a house <laughs> if I was in that mindset that I was in mm-hmm, before yeah. because it just would have been like self-sabotage mode yeah. whereas when I went away this time it was a totally different 
mindset and it was like it was just really nice as well because like holidays that me and Kisha went on when we first got together as well or any time we out was really really stressful because there would always be an argument about the restaurant I would have always decided where we were going to go like beforehand I would have looked it up I would have read all the menus if we got there and the thing that I'd picked wasn't on the menu there would be a meltdown mm-hmm. like if Christian wanted to go for a burger or a pizza there would be a drama and then I'd maybe go along with it but I wouldn't be happy as well as like this time going away and like previous holidays that we've had as well but especially this one because it was yeah. every meal sometimes it was actually stressful trying to pick the place because Christian would go where do you want to go and see for years he'd been so used to me controlling where we went mm-hmm. that I'd go I don't know I'm not really bothered that you pick and he'd be like uh, I've got all this freedom. <laughs> what the hell? He's like, what did I fancy now? Hmm. Even when I ask him still what he wants for dinner, like he'll just go, eh. And all he knows is steak or fajitas. Even though I make a million and one different dinners, but for yeah. years I was always in control of the dinners and what we were mm-hmm. having. As weird as like now, because we can be a lot more flexible with that. I think sometimes he's still a bit like. I don't know, you just pick because you get so used to it for years Cereal. and just being, yeah, like me just being the person that was in control of it all. It's yeah. crazy how something like your relationship with food affected your like relationship with Christian like so much. I bet you that's something that so many people like overlook. It's just yeah. that having like a bad relationship with one person in a relationship's got that negative relationship with food how that can impact the other person, do you know what I mean? Like, and I, I, can, like, I never thought about it so much before, but it must have put so much strain on mm-hmm. you two as a, as a couple as well, because like, sometimes we, we don't have arguments over food, but it's just like, right, you decide or you pick or whatever, but it's nothing just decide. compared to what obviously <laughs> you, you guys are going through. Like, eating something that you need to do, like, to live. every day, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you don't have an option, it's not like having, like, an alcohol addiction where you can just go, right, well, we'll just cut this out, yeah, like, you still have to eat every day whether you mm-hmm. like it or not, and it's yeah. a lot more than just keeping you alive, obviously, with that comes socialising and mm-hmm. doing things, enjoying yourself, yeah, like, yeah, experiences, it's... travel, and then, obviously, with me under eating and binging and stuff as well, mm-hmm. I just wasn't always that nice to be around as well mm-hmm. that was something I heard in a podcast and it was like talking about like how a food addiction is actually so much harder to deal with than like a drug addiction because like with drugs you can just like quit cold turkey and then yeah. like that's it but with food you still need to eat to stay alive so mm-hmm. it's so much harder to like kind of get into a good relationship probably with it like if you're addicted to food or addicted to like the way that you kind of were as well so yeah, it's quite. Like you need to find your feet again, but it's like if you're obviously if you're like a drug addict or you're addicted to alcohol, it's like you can cut that out. You can like cold turkey. You can turkey still live without. And start that, again. Like, you yeah. can live without, but then you you can't live without the food. So it's a bit like finding them when you do start from scratch. It's like finding that path, that right path, mm-hmm. like, yeah. or that right relationship. And I was with lucky enough, I think, like that. I, when I went into hospital, I really wanted to get better because I've heard horrible stories about girls having to get like fed and things mm-hmm. and I really didn't want that and even like they kept saying to me in hospital if you can't eat the meals you can get these shakes right but I'm not a fuss eater there's like five things that I don't like right and one of them cereal but actually it's not really <laughs> true because I'll eat granola if it's with yogurt and I'd eat like a crispy cake I just don't I think it's when it's cereal goes with milk and it goes all soggy it gives me the whole I love that oh, I love that yeah oh no right that's the fear for me. <laughs> So I don't like that, but also I don't like flavoured milk, so I think, again, that's where the cereal mm. thing comes from, because the milk, the, the cereal mm. makes the milk go all sweet, so I'm like, I'm not into that. I just don't really love milk that much. I don't like milkshakes, like, I don't like trifle, 
I think that's about it. Like, I'm really not fussy at all, but they kept saying to me, if you can't eat the meals, like, you can have these shake things instead. And I was just like, no, I can't do that. I'd rather just eat the food. So, like, I was quite lucky that, like, from the start, I did just force myself Mm -hmm. to eat the food. And I think because I had been eating, although I hadn't been eating enough, I'd still been eating three meals a day, Mm -hmm. every day. And I think that's why I survived for so long. Like, even when I went into hospital and they did my my blood sugars, they couldn't believe that like my heart was failing, my liver and my kidneys were failing. They were like, your blood sugar is absolutely fine. Like, fuck knows <laughs> how you did this. But I think because I had like nailed it, like I knew my body and I still like, and I yeah. think that's why now like a lot of like me being able to eat out and things, like I've learned a lot about my body over the years as well. Like I know my body's a tea, I know when I've ate enough, I know when I haven't ate mm-hmm. enough. I know that if I don't have a good breakfast in the morning, that I'm going to feel like shit and I'm going to be starving mm-hmm. by lunchtime. Like it's taught me a lot. Um, about myself, but I think that was the biggest thing for me, just putting myself in at the deep end and being like, just fucking eat whatever they give you, just mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, because there was a few, I knew a girl that I was friends with and her little sister had an eating disorder and I remember we went up to, I think it was Stope Hill Hospital, like in Glasgow, mm-hmm. which was like an eating disorder unit and I remember going up there and it was, it was a terrible environment to go into and there was all, it was mainly girls that were there. Um, but the young girl that I'm talking about, like they would all have competitions so that they used to have to get weighed, like on like a weekly basis to see obviously if they're progressing, putting weight on, etc. And they would all have this competition like within the ward about who could like gain the least weight, you know, like that was like the competition, and they would all have bets on each other about oh who's going to stand in the scales and you win if you've gained the least. You know what I mean? And I was like, that's mm-hmm. just a horrific way to be thinking, like and mm-hmm. thinking about that was horrible. And I remember seeing her in like a pair of black leggings and they were like flare like flared trousers. Like she was so thin, they were like flared trousers and she'd be like, Oh, like she had this mindset that when she did look in the mirror she felt really like big, even though she was so so small. And like I just remember these leggings and I was like, I've never seen leggings look like that in anyone because usually they're so fitted to someone's like physique. Yeah. But they were literally like a pair of black flared trousers and I was just mm-hmm. like it was it was terrible. It was it was horrible to Obviously, if I have to go through that, but yeah. Can I ask, like, have you always kind of felt, like, open and confident, maybe, like, to, like, speak about, like, anorexia and stuff like that? Because I know, like, a couple of people I've spoke to and they've had, like, eating disorders It's not, like, got to the point of anorexia, but had eating disorders and they've been, like, I've never, like, told, like, anyone, like, I'm just... Like, yeah, I, wasn't I can't always, speak about like, it. Like, even when I first shared it on my social media, so when I first started coaching, I spoke a lot about my relationship with foods and not having a good relationship with food, but I wasn't really as open about how bad mm-hmm. it had been. And um, Christian said to me a few times that you should talk about it, and I was a bit like, I don't want to be a sob story. Like, I don't want to be like that girl that had the eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then eventually I was like, oh, there's a lot of lessons in this, and I think it is important to be spoken about yeah. as well um, and that's when I did eventually open up about it and it's not until maybe when I did that like I've probably over the years got more confident about speaking about it to people that I know mm-hmm. and in person but actually broadcasting it to the world yeah I was like that's fucking scary because yeah. it's yeah. deep yeah. and it's 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 like good because you've like in a way like you've you not let it so define you but you've then raised awareness about it so you've not like let that moment in your life or what happened to you define you as a person but you've taken the lessons from it and then you've spread awareness to hopefully help other young girls out there yeah. we had a similar conversation obviously with Kerry oh, so many people like that that's kind of where I was kind of getting that with it like it's as if like anorexia sometimes it's like a bad word and it's like 
you just don't talk about it. Like so, it is. I think really good like, that you are like opening up about it. Of illness. But, yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. so it's not. I think until you're actually over it and out the other end of it, that it really becomes a lot easier to talk about it because you're mm-hmm. not actually living through it and experiencing it. You're kind of looking yeah. back at it as it was this point in my life, but I'm past that. Whereas when you're still kind of in it yeah. or on the cusp of it, it's a lot more, you're a lot more vulnerable as well as I'm like, yeah. I'm a different person now and like, even now, like sometimes I'll catch myself saying like my anorexia and I'm like, when I had anorexia and even mm-hmm. when I was trying, when I was recovering and I was working through that, that was one thing that I always tried to do was not make it my identity and not say yep. my anorexia, I'd say like I have anorexia rather than like I anorexia, yeah. my anorexia mm-hmm. and it's something that I speak to like um, a lot of my clients about that maybe struggle with things like anxiety when they say like my anxiety I'm like you need to stop identifying as your anxiety because that's mm-hmm. always going to define you if you mm-hmm. see that as yeah. you as well as if you can see it as something that maybe is an emotion that's something that you're dealing with mm-hmm. it can be a lot easier to put it over the other side of the control, room and kind of yeah. speak to it mm-hmm. and control it a lot better, a lot easier. Yeah, no, that's I a good, that. really good way to think it about is. it. So what would you say, like, is a good relationship with food? So if anyone was maybe, like, feeling like they've not got a very good relationship, what would you kind of say is one and how could they potentially make moves to get to that point? don't think there's a definite answer to that, but for me, like, it's a lot of things. It's, like, eating to actually properly nourish your body, but still allowing yourself to have some enjoyment mm-hmm. in your diet like I still eat chocolate you used to come in here and right away you're like do you want a biscuit and I was like yes I'll never say no <laughs> to a biscuit but it's also about having like the limitations with yourself like those things like a biscuit like having a wee biscuit now and again is fine eating two packets of biscuits every day isn't really <laughs> that fine thing, yeah. like it's about being able to be flexible with like your approach to nutrition mm-hmm. um, at times maybe where you've got like food planned and something comes up you've been able to then actually adapt, adapt mm-hmm. in that moment and not feel like you're panicking about it or you're stressed out about it and don't get me wrong as well when you're working on your relationship with food if you're maybe somebody that's been at the opposite end of the spectrum and you've maybe been overeating you've maybe just not had a good understanding of nutrition you've maybe been brought up with like that it's normal to eat Chew bags of crisps before your breakfast and like <laughs> yeah. just like monster like all the time like full sugar monster. <laughs> no offense, Chloe, I don't mean it like that. But like on the way to school, like you see people yeah. eating chew bags of crisps, mm-hmm. cans of monster. But that was normalized, so it was fine. Like and maybe like if you're somebody that's that's been fine to eat like chips every day for every meal, and you're then trying to work on actually improving your diet, there are going to be points where you maybe do feel a wee bit panicky a wee bit overwhelmed as well and that point is normal but when it's actually totally controlling you to the point that you feel like you can't go out, you can't socialise, mm-hmm. you can't um, kind of make changes in your day to what you're going to be eating, like you should be able to like, if maybe your friend says to you last minute, do you want to go for lunch or you go into work and there's a lunchtime buffet on at yeah. work, to be able to go for that lunch with your friend or be able to go to the buffet at work and then just adapt your diet for the rest of the day. If you had a dinner planned later on at the night, adapt that. Like, have a lighter meal, like, change mm-hmm. what you were going to have. Be a lot more flexible. It's about being able to kind of not be controlled by the food for you to be able to be in control of it. Because for me, for mm-hmm. so long, I was trying to control my diet, control the food. And actually what was happening was it was just controlling me and it was controlling 
my life. So I don't really know if that was a full proper. Yeah, no, I think that makes. I like that. That makes sense. Like I think um, something for me as well that I always say to clients is like, food like should be enjoyable. Like, I don't really know many people who don't like food. Yeah. Like it's such a pleasurable thing. I think. I don't think I know anyone like even when people say that they don't like you're like. Yeah, you do. yeah, you, do. you can't not. Um, and then if they're maybe like going like out for dinner or something, and it's a special occasion, and just having like a normal meal, and then coming home and like feeling really guilty and being like, oh, I need to like starve myself tomorrow and stuff. I'm like, but if you've went and you've enjoyed that meal, like you've had a good time, mm-hmm. like you're celebrating something, like just enjoy it for what it is. Like mm-hmm. don't feel, don't then add like a negative connotation to it. Like just take it as that experience because I think food should always be enjoyed, man. I just. I just love food. Yeah, like, <laughs> something like, that I'm always really passionate about is actually, like, getting my clients to cook and to eat food that they enjoy for every meal. Like, mm. I don't know what you use, but I don't want to eat boring, bland meals every, no. day of the day, every day of the week. Like, chicken, rice and broccoli, like, just <laughs> isn't for me. Nobody's going to stick to that. So mm. why not make yourself meals that you actually enjoy that are nutritious as well? Like, there's a no one size fits all. Yeah, no, exactly. It's so true, and no, I wouldn't be on that bland bandwagon either. No, like, no, get some it. spice onto that. I get love some, it once. Get you what? Remember, I was telling you, I did admit, admit you to that. Oh, I had a chicken diet, and rice yeah. diet, or a, I did tuna and rice for a while. That was really oh, nice. I tried that as well. Tuna and rice and boiled rice oh, and broccoli. I was like, what's going on? That's like, I did that, like, Aye, but it's not you can commit to it for a period of time but again it's not sustainable and if you're somebody maybe Mm -hmm. that's got like a family like you're just actually making more work for yourself (laughs) you're having a nice bolognese or something like your kids aren't going to eat your stinking canned tuna and rice and broccoli (laughs) so why don't just make yourself a bolognese or something that you actually like a chili that the full family can eat save yourself the stress and actually enjoy it Uh, as well exactly see the thought of like tuna without mayo or anything in it as well like that actually just gives me the fear it's like when folk eat dry chicken breast and like although something i have discovered that's really nice since being away is tuna with olive oil where was it bali food in your rankings was it right up there up there it was up there I'm petrified because I bet you so much had peanuts and I've got a really severe peanut. Oh, do you? Yeah, so like, like, my friend, right, sorry, this is totally off topic on the no, podcast, but me. she just back from, before we went to Bali, they did, I think it was at Hong Kong and then Vietnam and she yeah. had a really bad peanut, sesame and kiwi allergy right. and she'd applied to one of my stories in Bali, it was like a um, smoothie bowl thing that I had, like nuts and stuff on it, saying death for me <laughs> and I was like, I actually don't know how you survive. In Asia, because I've ordered so many things that haven't said that they've had nuts and sesame in the menu and they've came and they've just yeah. been riddled mm-hmm. with them. But you'd be fine in Bali because there's a lot of Western food. Because we, we, we were thinking about and they ask you everywhere you go, like in loads of the restaurants, have you got any allergies? Oh, that's good. Because we like, I mean, obviously, we've had so to many to episodes like, yeah. already, and I'm just like, we'd love to travel. We'd love to go to like, like Thailand and stuff, but they, I think they cook like everything really. Like, peanut oil and stuff but yeah and it's i think it's such like, an inconvenience kimberly i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, see to be honest because i look at like everyone's stories as well i've looked at like ailey's i've watched christians i've looked at um becky and holly yeah. obviously been away and i'm like that food looks so fucking good but it would literally kill me uh, and, like, well honestly by vietnam and hong kong so there you go yeah. we'll and go if there. there is like obviously if there is like western places as well then that's absolutely i fine. just wouldn't go to like any of the warungs maybe where it's like one of the local like Street food. Those, yeah but <laughs> don't I wash their utensils <laughs> you'd be fine yeah. Yeah. Right. um so just to kind of 
finish up like what is what plans have you got for this year what is the rest of the year looking like for you what's the rest of the year looking like so yeah. actually me and Christian are now thinking that we're going to put a house up for rent yeah um and we're going to go back to Bali but we're going to stop off so we don't know this isn't definite this is just an idea but I me and Christian were saying that everywhere we go we go we want to live there we were away in Spain <laughs> in the summer we wanted to move there and so hopefully we'll see this one through because we always go we're moving there it's happening yeah. but we're going to put the house up for rent we're going to go to, I think, Dubai for a couple of nights. Then the plan is Hong Kong for five nights, then Seoul and Korea, and then back to Bali for a couple of months to actually kind of settle and kind of just live as digital nomads. Obviously, I was both working online now. Mm-hmm. I like how you say not, it's not like set in stone, but you've just gave like the full like in it. I'm like, that sounds very set in stone, really. <laughs> they planned it well. Yeah. No, that sounds really yeah, good. That that sounds and it's good that you have got the freedom because you both do work like online. If you had decided to go into a gym, it might have been a bit different, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the plan for us at some point as well was to go online and then we just need to get our travel online yeah. and then we can have a face-to-face yeah. business right now so as well for like from a business point of view as well like I know when I was there I felt like I wanted to show up a lot more I felt a lot more creative a lot more yeah. excited I felt like I had a lot more of like me to give to my clients my energy was a lot higher just being in the sun it was a lot more social like seeing mm-hmm. you guys were saying like it's so lonely in Scotland like at night time especially and it's not we make a point of going out yeah. and socialising and seeing people but it was so nice there at night time everyone was out and about like you'd finish your work and you'd mm-hmm. go for a walk you'd go for yeah. like a coffee or you'd sit and chat with the neighbours on the balcony like you can't really mm-hmm. do that no yeah. Yeah, even we silly things like that but that really picks your energy up and boosts your mood like we just felt generally happier that we came back on was it Wednesday or Thursday morning and I woke up and Jason was like are you alright and I went it's like it is like we were saying that as well like, it's so miserable here i'm not cut out for shit Cold weather like i like warm not. weather and sunshine um, so. so that's like life plans what about like fitness plans or exercise goals or anything that you've got this year so plans? i'm doing the manchester marathon in five weeks yeah um which is exciting because in august i was Still that girl that was saying that I didn't run. Like honestly, I was that poor girl that was like, I don't run, it's not my thing, I'm not good at it, I'm shit. And then I started running with Christian to slow him down for his Iron Man. And I was like, actually, I'm quicker than that. Well, I'm now. Like actually, when we did a podcast, we had to ask each other questions, and I was like, who's the better runner? You're uni, and Matthew's that was. So, like, I think, like, that for me has shown me a lot as well about my self-belief getting into mm-hmm. running because even then like I thought I was quite a confident person that I believed in myself quite a lot at that point but I was still telling myself that I didn't run and now like <laughs> yeah. I'm on my way to running a marathon mm-hmm, like yeah. before I came here today I ran 24k which is the furthest that I've ever ran and did it by myself finished and felt good mm-hmm. and I think that's helped me to build a lot of belief in myself as well mm-hmm. so that's my kind of first plan um what else me and Christian are hoping to do High Rocks, although it's in Glasgow in October, and we've obviously, I've just told you that big story about how we're going to go away. Also, there's one in Glasgow um, in October. There's one in Glasgow yeah. in October, so we'd like to do that, do doubles yep. together. Um, you should smash it. Oh, I don't know, I've not really thought past the marathon, to be honest. That's been like my You're main thing that in doing High Rocks, but I probably will have something in between. I was saying to Christian, I don't know if I'd like to do an ultra next maybe but I don't mm-hmm. know I'm like maybe I've said it out loud I feel like I need to commit to public accountability guys hold her to it yeah <laughs> she keeps trying to talk me into doing a triathlon but see swimming outside 
piss me out. Right? I swam yeah. when I was younger. I'm really good at swimming. But like even when we were away in Bali, and um, Christian kept saying, just come in the sea a bit deeper, a bit deeper. And they had me out in this wee like, paddle board because they wanted me to go surfing. Oh my God, I nearly drowned. I was getting smashed about by the waves. There was a big rock under us. <laughs> I was crying. I was freaking out. And I was like, nope, that triathlon is never happening. <laughs> we went paddleboarding in Dubai, didn't we? So Chloe was like... How did that go? Good I'll, for Chloe disasters uh, yeah. for me. Like, we both went out and the guy was like, have you ever paddleboarded before? And I was like, well, not really. Like, no, no to be honest, we hadn't, right? So the two of us, he just sends us out on our own. I'm fucking on this paddleboard. You're on the one next to me. Had my sunglasses on. We kept drifting into like the beach. Like, we just, like, we kept going, like, going into the, the beach, but then he pushed us like way back out. But the current was like quite high, so like the waves were like coming in and smacking. I was like, I'm gonna fucking come off this thing. So she had like turned round at one point. You turned back round, and I was literally one leg on the paddleboard and like trying to get myself back it. up. So I decked it. My foot had get caught round the the oh cord. My God. I she fucking lost, decked it in, lost my good sunglasses to the bottom of the sea, broke a nail and I yeah. and I was like, don't ever ask me to paddle board again. <laughs> like, that's the end of that. Like, that sea is not for me either. I was just like, kept going, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And I was like, <laughs> but then that year, you know, Faith and then the next day when we got the scooter and he was like, you'll be fine. <laughs> and I'm like, you told me that yesterday when I got in the sea and I nearly drowned. See these folk that look like so elegant and beautiful on a paddleboard as well. I'm like, holy fuck, I don't know what's bigger than me right now because look at the neck of me. Like, it was like just a movie moment where I, I had just a, I had a great time. Can't yeah. so much. But. And we went back because my mum and dad, we'd left my mum and dad at the pool, didn't we? I went back and like, oh, my mum's like, how did she's gone? I was like, don't fucking ask. I was like, I lost her sunglasses <laughs> and I broke a fucking nail. She was reading. Like, don't want to talk about it. Right, I was like, I'm not going back in that paddleboard. I was but. like, I'm a bit the same as you with the sea. I, I love swimming. Like, I can swim in a swimming pool. No bother. Would go swimming, love it. But mm-hmm. out in the sea, like when there's the blackness below you. You don't know what's below. You don't know what's below. Yeah. That freaks me out. And the sea's just so big. I'm like, no. And I don't really yeah. like the salt water. Just uh, nah. it's nah, not like it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just forgot about my other goals that I set like before Christmas, but they've kind of been abandoned a wee bit. Okay. So I want to do a 15 kilogram chin up, but yeah, it hurt my shoulder. So that's kind of been off the cards for a while. And it was feeling better. I was feeling Bali. I was going like that depression. I can't leave it. My shoulder's fixed. And the plane on the way home, it started getting sore again. It's been sore ever since. That's so, so weird. That's my goal: is a fifteen kilogram chin up. Yeah. And a triple body weight hip thrust. Jesus, <sighs> what? How, how much would that be? So I did work it out, like, hundred and forty. I can't do the maths now in my head. Something. What do you weigh? What do you weigh? Yeah, that's better maths. Three times that. Forty-seven kilograms. So 120, 141. Yeah. Yeah. Quick math. That was Easy. good math. Eight higher. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is very good goals, and I'm sure you're going to smash. Oh, all definitely. Of them. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on Pleasure. and joining thank us. Thank you for having me. I know. Thank you so much. It was amazing to hear. Oh, it's been all great. Of it. I know, like a little bit just from my training, you'd done a Christian group, but you you didn't really know. No. Any obviously, of no, you'd obviously been talking a little bit about it, about it, but then obviously so you get to dig a little bit deeper and. Yeah, kind of, you're just scratching the surface sometimes and obviously I'm just talking to you but it's nice to yeah. so thank you so much for coming on no, and it's fine I love that yeah um, record an episode 11 with us so mm-hmm. thank you so much for listening guys if you, if you have made it this far um, be sure to send us your feedback share it on your socials follow Ailey on Instagram as well what is your Instagram name Coach Ailes 
at Coach Ale. So tag us all on your stories once you have listened as well. But this has been Two Dykes, One Mike. Over and out. See ya.